Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome back, folks. We have been talking about um, this special session on crime and uh, what's being presented and uh, what in many folks are saying, and I kind of agree with this, is being rushed through. We are making changes as it relates to incarceration, and I guess with the promise um, that the incentives for inmates to complete certain programs, according to the governor, reentry programs, earn a GED, learn a job skill, in uh, doing so to earn a reduction to sentence is going to come later. Trust us. That, that's what's going to happen. This is how you get to bad policy, where you just don't have a full and robust conversation about both sides of the ledger. Because they're very much influenced by one another. So we're on the sentencing side right now. But we're not talking about uh, the fact that, you know, we are going to have people serve at least 70% of their sentence. Elimination of good time that that exists today. You can only serve, uh, you can only get, excuse me, um, 85% of your sentence you have to serve. You can only receive 15%. But we don't, we don't know what that is. We don't know the capacity of re-entry programs, incentivize inmates. Well, how many inmates are rolling out monthly? How many are able to go into a re-entry program? I mean, you can't make this available to some and not others. How many can enter a GED program? How many can learn a job skill? What's the capacity of these programs? We're talking about this as being the incentives for inmates, but it doesn't seem like anyone's interested in understanding how big are these programs. Are you able to handle the folks that you need to handle on an annual basis for all of these programs? You, you, you have 30,000 inmates. Do we have the capacity of training 30,000 inmates to learn a job skill? Do we have the capacity to however many thousands that want a GED to get them a GED? And how many re-entrants can we handle in throughput of our system? How many? Who's the appropriate one? Who are you thinking would be best served by a re-entry? In my mind, it would be all of them. But that's not going to happen because they don't have the infrastructure to support that. It'll be interesting to see whether or not anybody asks these questions of anyone. 
of what the capacity is. Because, quote, unquote, this is what the governor said. What we need is truth in sensing, sentencing that will incentivize inmates to complete certain reentry programs, earn a GED, learn a job skill, and in doing so, earn a reduction in sentence. Preparing them to rejoin society in a productive, safe, and responsible manner. Re, real rehabilitation not only makes our community safer, but it is cost-effective. Could not agree more. Those are words. Words matter. But talk is cheap if we don't follow through. And I guess the thinking is in the regular session, maybe there will be a robust conversation uh, about this. I don't know. Uh, But this is such a far-reaching Bill, it would seem to me that people would want to know what the capacity is before we start eliminating a lot of what has been done historically here and what the true cost is of all of this. Because you're paying for it. The taxpayers are paying for this one way or another. And it's going to be interesting to see how this ultimately plays itself out and whether or not anybody's willing to answer these questions. Now, there's a a lot of things in here that I think are actually really, really good. You know about my frustration relative to the juvenile um, criminal justice system. And I I dare call it a system because it's completely fragmented. Everybody's doing things different. There's no consistency. It's not systematic, and it's not standardized by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, the assessment tool that's used in this state, there's so many different and varied ones. We've never been able to come to an agreement statewide as to how we assess juveniles uh, when they enter the system, what programs we make available to them. It's all up to... Uh, local governments as to what's going to happen there. There's no consistency, luck of the draw, um, and it's just a fragmented system. And it's the star chamber. Nobody knows anything about what's going on there. It's really a joke that they ask us to vote for juvenile judges when we can't know anything that they do. We, we, We don't know if they're effective, if they're efficient, we don't know the throughput. There's no data that's publicly reported out there. It's really hard to gain an understanding of what happens. Until we have these egregious, horrific cases where folks, you know, want to and have a desire to know more. When we have DAs that make bad decisions about whether or not they're going to charge a juvenile as an adult or not. Um, Those are problems relative to discretion. And as long as we allow that discretion to be had, we're going to continue to have these problems. And there's no judge that has broader discretionary powers than juvenile judges. They, They have the discretion once someone's sentenced to redo the sentence while they're serving time. I just, you know, kind of think, I like this kid. I'm going to redo his sentence. He's out. There's no absolutes in the juvenile system, little or none. It needs to be reformed. 
the quality of the criminal defendant in juvenile court today is vastly different than it was 20 years ago. And there's a whole host of reasons for that. But until we can get our hands around what we're doing and criminal and juvenile justice reform, much like we always talk about the Missouri model, you've heard me talk about that. Well, we, we're so far from the Missouri model, it's absolutely incredulous. So the age thing, I think it's a good idea. I thought it was faulty when we did it. I said that then uh, when we did that because the system was not able to really take on a one-year-old defendant. It was failing with all the others. Why would we think it's going to work any better with a one-year-old defendant that's going to go into the juvenile justice arena? The record there is abysmal. We're putting electronic monitors on kids that are cutting it off every other day. And I know there's not anything that they can do with them because there, there are no incarcerate, incarceral beds available. It's a very limited asset. One in which they don't even utilize half the time. We're babysitting kids through their juvenile years in the hopes that they move on and something happens, divine intervention or something, and they, they're going to change their ways. We should judge the effectiveness of juvenile justice programs two years post-majority. We should look at those repeat offenders in juvenile court two years after they reach majority to find out how many of them have actually moved on to adult prison. And then utilize that data in in formulating evidence-based outcomes of the effectiveness of those programs. We don't do that. We don't have a systematic way of doing that in the state of Louisiana. We kind of catch as catch can in the hopes that things are going to get better. So I agree with, with the moves here, but it's not enough. There needs to be more. This needs to become more transparent. You call juvenile court and you ask them about the status of a case, and they're going to tell you, well, we're not allowed to talk about it. But you had a continued custody hearing on a defendant, and the law says in crimes of violence that we're entitled to have this information. Oh, I'll have to get back to you. And they never do. It's the star chamber. They don't want you to know what's actually happening in that court. There's no advertising of what's going on in that court. Consider the following. If your child was best friends with someone that gets arrested for armed robbery, you think you might want to know that? You think just maybe that that would be good information to have while you're rearing your child and doing the right things day in and day out, trying to make a difference, trying to have all of your children remain as productive citizens in society, that maybe we should empower other parents with the information and knowledge that a, that a child has been or a kid has been arrested for armed robbery. Not in this world. That's not what they believe. They, folks actually don't believe that. Same thing with stuff that happens in school. 
You're best friends with someone in school. Something goes down in school. A knife is pulled, this, that, or otherwise. Do the other parents have the benefit of understanding what actually happened and why? Especially if your child hangs in that group with that child. Do you think maybe the powers to be would say it's a good idea to empower other parents with this information of what is actually happening? So that maybe you can get a little intrusive and probative and figure out where this is all going with your child. And maybe, just maybe, you have the parenting skills necessary and the time to put into your child to steer them away from some of these happenstances? No. It's not our approach. It's the star chamber. We're not allowed to share that with you. Because we're more offender-centric than we are thinking about victims or potential victims or the impact that they have in a very closed environment, a school campus. A school campus is nothing more than a reflection of the community at large, right? The challenges outside defense are the same challenges inside defense. But we don't seem to appreciate that, and we don't want to empower parents to kind of do the right things and affect the change necessary. And they don't find out anything until their kid gets in trouble. And then, guess what? In many cases, it's too late. So this whole system needs to, re, needs to be refurbished, redone. And in my mind, it needs to be an if-then. If you do this, then this is what has to happen. You have to earn your right and your privilege to come out from under the juvenile justice program. Plain and simple. And the other interesting thing about juvenile judges is that they maintain jurisdiction over kids even after they reach the age of majority. But it can't work in reverse. Where adult court can't have jurisdiction over there unless other people make decisions about certain things and, and exercise discretion. So going back to what the governor said about balance, he's right, especially in the juvenile arena. The governor's dead on, spot on, when he says that the criminal justice system has lost balance. Because in the juvenile arena, there's never been balance. And that's not what folks and participants in that system want. They don't want balance. But that needs to happen. And it's why we're losing a lot of kids here. We're not, we're not drawing attention to this. The squeaky wheel gets the oil because we don't know anything. We're not allowed to know anything. And even if we change some of the, and, and we have changed some of the laws that we have the right to know, there's no vehicle for us to get to find out. Because it's the Star Chamber. Love to hear from you. Got to get to a break. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, folks. We are joined by Eric Cormier, Senior Vice President of Entrepreneurship and Strategic Initiatives at Southwest Louisiana Economic Development Alliance in Lake Charles. We have talked about the Biden administration's plans to shut down LNG, liquefied natural gas exports, a move that both Democrats and Republicans, many Democrats and most Republicans oppose, former U.S. Senator Mary Landrieu and former U.S. Representative Charlie Melanson, do not support this. They do not like it, and for good reason. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Mr. Norman. Eric, there's so much information that supports the importance of this to not only our, the local economy of Lake Charles, but the state economy uh, for the state of Louisiana. Why do we find ourselves in this position here? From our vantage point here in southwest Louisiana, we're dumbfounded. This doesn't make sense. And at the end of the day, like our colleagues all over the country who are, are against this decision, it comes down to politics. Um, and we're seeing where environmentalists have had a good opportunity to influence policy. And this is where we are at the moment. And now is the time for a different narrative to be spoken about. And the Biden administration actually shift positions on this issue, right? It most certainly did. And what's really interesting is that in our neck of the woods, and, and when we talk about LNG, Southwest Louisiana, which is in our agency, represents the business interests of this part of the state, and that includes Beauregard, Allen Parish, Jeff Davis Parish, Calcasieu, and Cameron. And when you look at the Lake Charles MSA, which is Calcasieu and Cameron Parish, LNG we're the footprint when you look at what's going on in the world. And what's so important to realize is that when uh, th these movements and this development started, well, you got FERC involved in this process. And these companies are spending millions of dollars to apply, to site a location, to deal with state and local agencies and federal agencies, to develop their plans, to build, raise that money to build, and then export this product, which America is blessed to have, that's slowing the process down. 
And this decision by the Biden administration, we really view as nothing more than politics, and it's impacting the bottom dollar of these major important companies and also Main Street here in southwest Louisiana and the rest of the state because you have so many groups, whether they're developers, folks who are looking to build apartments, folks who are looking to do small subcontracting contracts with these individuals and these different businesses. Right now, they're stuck because what really happens when you're building a business and you're starting off, you need to have a guarantee that what you're doing in a very unguaranteed world <laughs> will work. So we have folks right now, and I've re- had calls from different business people here who are scratching their heads saying, I know of one specifically who worked with a certain project for over a dozen years. That's how long these things go. And he's asked me point blank the morning that this announcement was made, Eric, what am I supposed to do? So our position is that we want to work with anyone possible to convince the Biden administration to change this policy. This doesn't make sense. You have FERC. They cover the environment in their regulatory process. It works. Let's move forward. It's predatory in many ways, in my view. Uh, And connect these dots for me. This administration has been critical of any number of people as it relates to the funding and financing of whether it's NATO, what's going on in Ukraine and everything else. There was a move afoot in Western Europe to be able to come out from under the purchase of fossil fuels from Russia so as to no longer finance this Russian expansionary effort that they have going on in Eastern Europe. One of the ways to do that was the exportation of LNG, right? Exactly. And so, this is something we, also to So remember. this administration speak with forked tongue because this was one of the saving graces for them to not so much hurt their economy because of cost, uh, and it was a cleaner way of keeping the environment um, under consideration by utilizing LNG, correct? Correct. One of the things that we really appreciate, and this is what makes a lot of folks in Louisiana and southwest Louisiana proud, we have over 3,000 direct-related jobs that already work in the existing facilities. That also created 17,000 jobs in construction with a $1.5 billion in real GDP. So we have people working, and there's a pride that comes with that. That pride is is that when this war started, we are the tip of the iceberg in trying to send off that LNG to these countries to make a difference. Also, here's something else. When this process started in the, what we say around 2006 or seven, especially when the shale movement started, American policy was to say we want to be energy dependent. Well, we have this resource. It's getting us there. It's that transition also because this leads us to even bigger, better investments down the road, probably after we're gone from from the scene. And this here doesn't make sense. So there's a national security issue here. There's an energy independence issue here. There's also a Main Street issue here. And here's something else. As a Louisianan, I'm born and bred in the state. And I must admit, I am very, very, very uh, comfortable talking about environmental issues and impacts. 
But I'm going to say this. On this issue here, we hunt, we fish, we canoe, we hike in southwest Louisiana as with all over the state. If you look at most folks who are in this outdoor sporting life, they care about the environment. We do not want to see anything that's going to impact the thing that we believe in and what we thoroughly enjoy here in Louisiana. So to say, and I think this is something that really, really gets under our gets under our skin a little bit, is this. To say that we're demonized, to say that we don't believe that the environment is important, that's a lie. So we would really want the Biden administration to understand this type of move, again, does not make sense, especially for us in Louisiana. So there is a chance that they may change their mind because as a as a uh, from what I understand, it seems as though on another issue, the Environmental Protection Agency may be poised to slow down on these this high-speed transition to electric vehicles by backing off of tailpipe emissions, uh, so much so that the EPA has indicated to automakers and labor unions that they intend to do that, that, but they also said to them, but let's keep that a secret right now while we're working on it. And my point is, this is all about the politics of the time. If this doesn't work well for the reelection of Joe Biden, he's going to retreat off of this policy, in my view. Your thoughts? I hope he does. But at the end of the day, this LNG move, this is clean energy. This works. This is happening now. It's it's growing. It's put money in people's pockets on Main Street. And I think that's the, one of the pieces that that's missed. This decision impacts hardworking Louisiana men and women. And it also trickles on down to the businesses that are small and they depend and plan on having money flowing through the system. And so, again, um, we really, really, really would appreciate it if the Biden administration and policymakers on this position would wake up and realize this isn't good business. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, obviously, he's under a lot of pressure from the uh, the, the climate folks. He, he's got to deliver something. I don't know why he chose this. <laughs> I think there was a lot of other things he could have he could have chosen, uh, but. This this makes no sense, and it's hurting our allies in Western Europe. Uh, I mean, it, you know that that in and of itself ought to be evidence enough that this is bad policy on the part of the U.S. We know of Eastern allies and business interests in that part of the world that have asked and have always wanted to be able to be independent of Russian influence on energy. We have had those conversations with some of these companies over in that part of the world. They know that Louisiana is 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 a real player in this. And so again, I think when you're planning, it's like anything. If you want to build a house, you have to be able to build a house, have your architect put it together. You have to have your financing in place. It's called planning and you're planning for the future. Folks have planned the future around LNG. And here's something else. Just so folks who are in the New Orleans area and who's ever listened will get this. Southwest Louisiana was, in 2020 and 2021, we were impacted, like the rest of the world, by COVID. You also had Hurricane Laura. We had Hurricane Delta. We had Winter Storm Uri. And then we had a major flooding event. Laura caused $17 billion in damages over here. We had 44,000 homes damaged by Laura and Delta. 
unemployment at that time in September 2020, right before that time, it hit 14.1%. This growth that we have with LNG, along with all of our diverse industries and the great things that we have going on over here, this is helping us to keep continuing to build our economy back. So by putting this pause, and there are people who are listening and taking the advice of building their uh, business plans based on doing good market research, how many of those folks right now, again, I'm dealing with them, scratching their heads saying, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Well, best of luck in this endeavor. We've talked about this ad nauseum on this show because I just think it's bad policy, bad timing, makes no sense to me. It's completely and totally politically in nature, and I think it's predatory. <laughs> and I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> exactly. Well, we agree with you. And again, we invite anyone in Washington, whether in Congress or the administration, Come on down to Southwest Louisiana. Come visit. We will feed you. We will also drive them around and let them see what's happening on Main Street. And our LNG partners, we want them to know we are fighting to do what we can to help them continue moving forward. Keep up the good fight, my friend. Eric Cormier, Senior Vice President of Entrepreneurship and Strategic Initiatives at Southwest Louisiana Economic Development Alliance in Lake Charles. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. You know, every time you come across a post on X, um, used to be Twitter, right, and that kind of creates pause and, and you laugh. And the following one was one of those for me. It said, imagine if we lived in a world where all cars were EVs, all electric vehicles, and then along comes a new invention, the internal combustion engine. Think how well they might sell a vehicle half the weight, half the price, with almost a quarter of the damage done to the roadway, a vehicle that can be refueled in one-tenth of the time and has a range of up to four times the distance in all weather conditions. It does not rely on the environmentally damaging use of non-renewable rare earth elements to power it, and it uses far less steel and other materials. Just think how excited people might be for such technology. Might sell like hotcakes. Let's go to Michael on line one. Michael, you're up. Welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. I was just wondering, because of the closed elections for the primaries, that those people like me, independents, cannot vote for the best person in the primary if we so choose. So they're not even on our ballot. 
Well, what was passed <clears throat> here and will not be in place until 2026, if you're an independent or no party, you get to choose which primary you want to vote in. So you'll, okay. you'll get to vote in one or the other primary. <clears throat> it was a compromise position that was passed um, by the legislature, and I applaud them for doing it because I am an open primary guy. I don't like closed primaries. I don't like anything that helps perpetuate the power of a political party because they're run by folks that are not elected, they can make up their own rules, do what they want, favor who they want, and never really be transparent to the public. And I just don't see that as 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 a good proposition. It sounds like you don't either. But that's no, the bill that was passed here. Now, it doesn't mean that this legislative session or the next one, that it's not subject to change. It's not exactly what the governor wanted. Uh, so there's a part of me that says... Hold on, that that process may be revisited, and it may be voted on again, and it may change again. Right. Well, the only way that we can change it, I thought that vote would have to come a constitutional amendment change on our ballot, and we would be able to select that. No, sir. Not required. Okay. Okay. So all our way to do that is to go to our representative and senators. That is correct. That's where, you know, all, you know, you you know, the old adage, uh, Tip O'Neill used to say all politics are local. That's right where it's at. (laughs) Right Right there. Exercise your influence on your local state rep or state senator and let them know how you feel. Thank you, sir. Uh, Have a great day and be safe. Thank you, sir. So uh, we'll continue to monitor what's happening with the uh, crime session and where these bills go. I I suspect most of them are going to pass, and I suspect that there's not going to be a whole lot of amendments. I hope that I'm wrong on some of this stuff. A lot of it I agree with. Some of it I'm not sure the connection uh, to what it is that they're trying to accomplish uh, here and and how this is going to play it itself out but it's going to be interesting uh to see what happens with our prison population and whether or not we fund and finance these alternatives and whether or not we do the things necessary in order to beat back the recidivism rate uh that we have uh here uh in the state of Louisiana but i leave you reminding you of this of clearance rates in this country. And I keep coming back to that because if you really want to affect crime in your community, you want those that have offended to face the music, right? But the problem is we're not arresting. Now, there are a lot of jurisdictions that far exceed uh, the average as uh, we talk about these clearance rates. In fact, um, Jefferson Parish is one of them. Uh, St. Tammany, I know uh, for a fact, is another one. Uh, St. Bernard, I know for a fact, is another one. Um, And that's not to say that they're not others, because there are a whole bunch um, in this metro area. But violent crime in this country, a 27.1% clearance rate. Murder, 46.2%. You know what's striking? 
is that since the George Floyd incident, so since 2019, in 2019, murder was cleared by 57.6%. It dropped 11.4% from 2019 to 2022. Telling. Rape in this country, only 20%, 2 out of 10 rapes get solved. Robbery, 18%. Aggravated assault, 30%. Property crimes, only 6. 6 out of 100 get solved. Burglaries, 9%. 9 out of 100. Thefts, 6.1%. Auto theft, 6.6%. That's where we make the impact, is improving upon the solution rate of all of these crimes. It's technology, ALPR, automated license plate recognition, digital forensic units. That We see a whole lot of crime going on in the digital world. Having the forensic analysis, we have one in Jefferson Parish. We have the most robust ALPR system in the state of Louisiana. It's not an accident that this yields really positive outcomes. Crime lab, DNA lab. If we really want our state legislature to make a difference here, they would put the dollars necessary to become more robust in all of these areas. More standardization as in, in the criminal justice system where we become more efficient. Efficiency throughput is where it's at. When we get our hands on an arrested subject, We want to make sure that we get them through the system in an effective and efficient way, that we have high success rate on prosecutions, and we selectively incapacitate each and every one of them. And that's how we are going to change the criminal landscape sooner rather than later, in my view. We'll be right back. We hope to have Representative Debbie Villio later in the week. Uh, We texted over the weekend about coming on to give her perspective. She is the author of a number of these bills, and uh, we will continue to reveal the other bills as they work their way through the committee assignments and committee hearings um, that will um, be impacting this uh, the, the crime pers- uh, picture that's out there, excuse me, got a little tongue-tied. Um, and hopefully uh, we'll be able to do that uh, during points in time during the remainder uh, of the week. But we did want to get both sides of uh, th- that issue. Coming up next is uh, Scoot, and um, he joins us. Scoot, what do we have coming up? I think it's interesting that you get a little tongue-tied and you and you point it out. It's like, that's my entire show. I mean, I... <laughs> I don't bother pointing it out. You know how it is. Which you know how it is. You get to a point in time in the show where your yeah. mouth gets dry and you can't know, get the words. I know. Out I know. Look, there are people who are listening who have no idea what it takes to do this. And you know, it might seem really easy, but there are aspects of this that are just not that easy. And it's not that easy to be perfect when you do this. All right, so um, we will talk about um, the session that's going on and the idea of uh, being tougher on juveniles. Uh, I still wonder why we can't. I mean, I know that there's a reason for it, but 
I don't know. Maybe this uh, protecting of uh, juveniles goes a little bit too far. We'll talk about the death penalty because that's something that's come up. And, and study after study that I've read indicates that the death penalty is not really a deterrent to crime, uh, but it certainly means that that person who committed the crime is not going to do it again. So I know that's a passionate uh, topic. And uh, Taylor Swift is in Australia, then going to Singapore, and she's out. She's without her boy toy. He's not there. Why is he not there? I guess she, you know, sometimes you need a little break. Um, and sometimes you have to deal with a long-distance relationship. And so we'll talk a little bit about that uh, on the show. And also a few more thoughts about uh, Lenny Kravitz's acceptance speech at the People's Choice Awards uh, the other night. It was just uh, sensational and a message that really needs to reach everybody, especially young people in America. We'll talk a little more about that. All right, it's Goots Up Next. Got a great lineup coming your way. Hope you enjoyed today's show. We will see all of you guys again in the morning. Have a great Tuesday evening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 